Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I was looking for something in the closet in my study the other day and I spotted my grandpa's shotgun leaning in the back corner. It's a uh, heirloom, an 1893 Winchester 12-gauge pump. Someone told me, don't let that thing go. I remember the first time my grandpa took me back out to the farm after the tornado to let me shoot the shotgun. There was one corn stalk still standing upright in the field. And he decided that at about age, I don't know, eight or nine years old, I should fire off that 12 gauge. I remember three things about that. One was I was particularly excited. But what I also remembered was it knocked me flat on my behind. And it left a huge bruise in spite of the fact that my grandpa told me, get that thing up there tight. When you think about it, anger is much the same way. Anger has a tremendous kickback, and it leaves bruises too. And much like guns that hurt and wound, there are stories of people after people that anger has wounded or hurt as well. Let me be blunt with you this morning, friends. Some of you here, you've fractured your families because of anger. Some of you may have lost some important business deals because of anger. Some of you may have physically hurt other people because of your anger. Some of you can't maintain a relationship to save your soul because of anger. Some of you, who have, not, some of you have non-Christian friends who watched you and seeing how you react to the irritations of life, and quite honestly, they can't believe what you do. As a result, your testimony, your witness of faith, falls on deaf ears because they see irritation leading to anger and so much more. I want to make this personal this morning by a show of hands. How many of you think that you need to learn something about anger today? Okay, those of you that didn't raise your hand, I'll have a... Uh, class after a while on self-delusion. And the reason I say that is because anger escapes no one. I don't care whether you are young or old, whether you are a believer or a non-believer, a Christian, non-Christian, whether you're male or female, we all need to know more about anger, particularly how to handle it in a God-pleasing fashion. Now, my goal for us uh, this morning is that you would actually walk out of here with one Bible verse that's in your heart and in your head. I'm praying that this one verse, I read it to you already before, would become a discerning filter in your heart, that it would become a point of discernment for your actions. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 again says, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Now, I'm going to break this down for us this morning in three parts. One of them is be angry, but do not sin. The second part is don't let the sun go down on your anger. And the third thing is don't give the devil an opportunity. Or maybe some of you remember it in the old King James, don't, let, don't give the devil a foothold. Now, when Paul was writing these words to the Christians at Ephesus, he was not teaching them something new. Actually, he was quoting from the Old Testament. He was quoting Psalm 4, or Psalm 
4 verse 4 where it says, Be angry, but do not sin. Now i got to tell you, I love the first two words of that Bible passage. Be angry. Now I'll be honest with you, if you don't have anger, if you don't have some anger, friends, you don't have any passion. If you don't have anger, you don't have any convictions. If you don't have anger, you have no opinions. If you don't get angry, I'd suggest that you go home today, check out the Texarkana Gazette, and see whether your name is in the obituary. Because if you never experience anger, you may not be amongst the living. But what I don't like about those verses are the, is the word that follows the first two. Be angry, but... See, when you start reading your Bible, there are so many wonderful verses that use the word but. In fact, there are so many big buts in the Bible that I actually started writing a book a few years ago called The Big Buts in the Bible. Uh, an Easter ago, I preached on the butts of Easter. But, you know, this is a real biggie here. Be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, but deal with your anger before it gets ugly. Don't allow anger to bring the devil to your door when you hear him knocking and seeing whether he might be invited in and work in you and through you. Now, remember, anger always makes, it takes a response, always requires one. And when your response wounds other people or when your response wounds yourself, who wins? I'll tell you who wins. It's always the devil. When anger happens, when anger moves into sin, the devil is given a foothold and the devil is the one who gets glorified in your life. Now the Apostle Paul in this text is trying to warn us so that the devil's character is not reproduced in us. See, that's what happens when anger turns into sin. We begin, we begin acting more like the devil. But when we get angry but don't sin, guess what? Now we are beginning to manifest the character or the image of Christ. And I would suggest to you, I think that most Christians would say, I would rather be of Christ, be Christ-like, than I would like to be like the devil. Now, I want you to walk out of here this morning and really know this passage. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't let the devil have any opportunity. Now, I want to give you another verse as well. And I want to take this verse, and I'm going to tie it together with the Ephesians one. The other verse comes from James chapter 1, verse 20. And in James 1.20 it says, Anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now if you take those two passages and kind of stick them together, what does it say? It says, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't let the devil have an opportunity. And here comes the second passage, because anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now, I don't know about you, that's pretty clear to me. Anger does not produce the life that God wants us to live. He says you want to live a righteous life. Now that's a big church word. We toss around the word righteous and righteousness like everybody knows what it means. I'm almost tempted to pick on a couple of you this morning and ask you to define righteousness for me. But I'll give you a simple way of remembering it. It just means right living and right doing and right thinking and right acting. We all want to do that. We want to be more like Christ. As a result, when anger comes into the room, when anger comes into our lives, and because anger requires a response, there are two different ways you can respond. 
One of those ways is you can delight the devil. Now, I stuck a special insert in your worship folder today. You might want to take a look at this. It's talking about delighting the devil and the desires of God. It shows a cycle there. Irritation. Something irritates you. Guess what? Irritation, if it bugs you, causes you to get angry. And when you get angry, then resentment kicks in, and then revenge takes over, and it's followed by hatred. And I hate to say it, some of you know that cycle real, real well. You're really good at it. You've worked that cycle for years. That's the cycle of pain, and that's the cycle of bondage. That is seeing to it that the desires of Satan are met. It happens quickly to people, it happens subtly to people, but it happens nonetheless. See, when anger hits, when anger hits and it gets ugly, what does that look like in your life? Think about that for a moment. When anger strikes and it starts to get ugly, what does that look like in your life? Now, some of you get violent. Some of you explode. Some of you curse and swear. Yeah, I'm talking about Christian people. I'm not talking about people outside across the street, you know, Baptists or somebody else. I'm talking about Missouri Synod Lutherans. Missouri Synod Lutherans who, when anger comes, rage and they hit things and they punch things and they yell and they curse and they just, they act like savages. Now, other people think, well, now, Pastor, that's not me. When I get angry, no one ever knows. What I do with my angry is I just kind of, stuff it down. I just pack it down there. But guess what? You take that anger and you shove it down, it gets ugly. It starts festering like some old sore. It becomes toxic. You've got a pile of toxic waste inside of you, and it's going to spill out sooner or later. You will not be the exception. The anger is going to come out. I don't care whether you explode or whether you implode somebody gets wounded and it could be you it could be other people that's one way to respond you can respond and delight the devil give yourself over to pain and bondage and some of you I, i'm just i'm sad to say it some of you have given yourself into this cycle and you know how to do it and you could probably teach lessons in it something irritates you and you fly off the handle and the minute you get angry then we start resenting people or we start resenting things and then we want to get revenge and then we got hatred and the next thing you know it's like i said last sunday we we're all about one dumb act away from having our picture on the front page of the texarkana gazette come monday morning i said that and i looked at the local newspaper back where i came from this last week and i saw the name in an article of a young man a nice young man from a wonderful christian family who belonged to our former church, who did one dumb thing. And I was amazed to see that the penalty could be two to seven years. Who knows where that started. But see, there's, a, there's always another way, another way to choose, and, and there's a better response, and that's what on that outline is called the desires of God. The desires of God. It's a cycle that leads to peace and freedom, and it's based on just tons of biblical wisdom. Let's take a look at these, these different ways. One of them is just, I mean, don't deny your anger. 
I mean, we already know anger is a human emotion. If you're a human being, you will get angry. But what you need to do is to learn how to express that anger in a good way. So don't deny it. And don't, for heaven's sakes, don't spiritualize it. Well, I'll tell you, this makes me sick. I see it every once in a while. Oh, pastor, well, I'm a Christian. I never get angry. You know what the Greek word for that is, don't you? Baloney. You're a human being. Christians get angry. Guess what? Jesus got angry. You don't think he was a little hacked off when he saw what was going on in the church and he made himself a whip and drove everybody out and kicked tables over? Oh, well, no, Jesus, well, that's different. How is that different? You explain that to me. He's a human being. He was angry, but he did not sin. He did not sin. Let me give you also another piece of advice. Don't announce your anger. This, this fries me too. People who say, oh, I'm just so angry I could skin a goat. Or I'm so angry I could scream. I'm so angry I could just spit. You know, every time I hear that, I just think, yeah, go ahead, skin your goat, spit, scream. Just don't involve us in your stupidity. I mean, what happens when you announce your anger? I'm so angry I could do this. I'm gonna tell, I'll tell you exactly what it does. The only motive for doing that is to threaten other people. And if you do that, the devil wins. You want to stop somebody in their tracks? Next some, some, sometimes somebody threatens you with anger. I'm so mad I could do it. Hey, guess what? Satan just won. I don't know if that make him angry or not. See, it's at this point between don't deny it and the next point of delay it that you and I have a choice to make. Anger always requires a response. But the choice is what? Pain and bondage or it's peace and freedom. And guess what? God desires to give his children a way of breaking that cycle. There's the second thing. Delay it. This is where you step back and cool down. This is where you do what? Count to ten. That's what some people do. Some people actually need to change their environment. You need to get out of that room. Now, I've done a lot of research on anger. I told the Bible class this morning. I could preach five or six weeks on anger, I think. But one of the interesting things I found is the difference between men and women how they change environments when they're angry. This kind of surprised me. But the number one way that men change environments when they're angry is they get in their car and they drive somewhere. That's reassuring, isn't it? Angry men in cars. Sounds like a stock car race or NASCAR. Now, women... Women are smarter than we are, guys. The number one way that they change their environments, according to studies, is not to get in their car and drive, but they tend to withdraw and eat. That's their primary action. That sounds to me more logical than driving. Now, there are a few of us like me that are in touch with our feminine side. We drive and eat. Uh, but all I'm telling you, friends, if you delay it, we all need to step away. If you're going to delay it, don't use that time to think of all those smart aleck remarks that you wish you would have said. Don't spend all that time to come up with conspiracy theories about how everybody's out to get you. Don't go change environments and come out of there like some drunken cowboy and shoot everybody. And somebody, you know what happens? They change environments and they land in the room with somebody else. Get what? Guess what? They unload on an innocent victim. So what do you do? I don't really have a good answer for you other than the fact that you need to decide what it takes for you to delay your response. But I will tell you this, 
If you are a Christian, if that's what you consider yourself to be, if you consider yourself to be a Christ follower, that means that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you accept the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ, all of that. That means that he is Savior and Lord of your life. It also means that you have the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, and the presence of the Holy Spirit brings into your life something that we call the fruit of the Spirit. You know that? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. There it is, patience. It takes patience. Proverbs 16.32 says, Patience is better than strength. Controlling your temper is better than capturing a city. That's what the writer of Proverbs says. Now, I hope you caught that. Patience is better than strength. Now, how do you delay it? How would you do it? Now, you've got to figure out a way to do that because once you say, okay, I do get angry, I've got to delay it, I've got to figure out a best way for, for me to delay it. Somebody gave me a little clue a few years ago that I, I try to use. He said, you know, Barry, when you get angry, when there's an irritation in your life and anger starts creeping in, maybe you should just step back and say to yourself, I could be wrong here. That works for me quite often. I could be wrong. I'm I probably not, but I probably could be. I could be. There might be another side to the story. I just say, I'm not sure what's going to work for you. But delay your response so that your response becomes what? God-honoring and not devil-worshiping. So I'm not going to deny it. I'm going to delay it. But then I want to suggest that you define your anger. That's what the Bible talks about. Many of you probably know that anger is, is not a primary emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is always a response to something. And wh what you feel when you initially get angry is one of three emotions. It's been really pretty helpful to me because it helped me diffuse a, a problem that I have from time to time. But when you start getting angry, you have one of three response, you feel three emotions. One of them is either hurt or frustration or fear. And any time you swallow hurt, frustration, or fear, what comes back up is anger. See, anger sits on the surface, but something is underneath of it. Hurt or frustration or fear. So when I got an irritation in my life. I got to ask myself this question. What am I so doggone angry at? I mean, what's beneath the surface here? Frustration, fear, hurt? I mean, what's causing this? And see, if I don't learn to ask myself those questions, I'm going to live in denial. And by the way, denial is not a river in Egypt. It just means that you don't want to have to deal with your problem. What happens is you will always blame other people. You will always live as a victim. You will always move from irritation to anger and beyond very quickly. And as a result, you're going to wound yourself. You're going to wound other people. Friends, so I'm just saying, don't just react, which is what some people do. Step back and reflect. And then respond in a way that honors God and not Satan. I'm going to give you a practical example. Let's say you've been invited to a friend's house for dinner. They're going to serve dinner at 7 o'clock. It's already 6.45, and you know it takes 15 minutes to get there. Your spouse has run a little late because they live in another time zone. And so by the time you actually make it, and don't be poking people out there. 
So by the time you make it to the car, you probably missed the first three courses. You are way past irritation, moving rapidly towards anger, and you're not even out of the driveway yet. Define that for me. Are you hurt? Are you frustrated? Or are you, are you fearful? With apologies to my wife, I get frustrated. That's what it is. It's frustrated. And guess what? If I can define it, then I can deal with it. And if I don't, that same trigger is going to get me time after time after time, and I'm going to jump on the pain and bondage wagon and ride it all the way to the end. Once you can define it, now you've got to work on diffusing it. This is where I'm working on it in my own life. Diffuse it. It means you deal with it so it doesn't always get to you. Defuse it means you take the fuse out so it doesn't explode. You put it to rest. You, you don't send that first draft of the angry email that you wanted to send in reply to the criticism somebody sent you. I know the Bible says we need to speak the truth in love, but I'm going to tell you, some of you just need to keep your big mouth shut too sometimes. I mean, diffusing is speaking relational peace. Why? So that you don't give the devil a foothold. You don't give the devil an opportunity. You handle it in a God-pleasing way. That's what the Bible means when it says here, friends, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it. Diffuse it. But don't take it literally, because I don't want any of you showing up at my house some night at 6.45 saying, Pastor, let me in. Open the door. We've got to talk. Only five minutes to sundown. No, the biblical principle is this. Get it taken care of as soon as possible so you don't nurse that irritation and that anger into ugliness. Do it quickly so you don't have to express your anger in a non-God-pleasing way. What you can learn to do once you define the hurt, that, that hurt or frustration or fear, you can suddenly step back and you can go, hold it. I was really hurt by that situation. Or this really frustrates me. Or this really kind of scares me a little bit. And that triggers my anger. I know that. And so I want to talk about it with the other person. I want to, I want to deal with that with God and say, God, don't let me feel this way. Like many of you heard me say, build a bridge and get over it already. So you can use terms, you can, you can say nice things like that rather than what some people do, and they say, oh, you make me so angry. You ever hear that one? There's a Hebrew word for that, hogwash. No one makes you get angry. You choose to get angry. And you know, anytime you ever say something silly like that, you make me so angry, all you're doing is pouring gas on somebody else's fire. Instead, diffuse it. Learn to abide by some basic biblical principles like what? Be slow to speak. Practice patience. Speak the truth in love. Offer forgiveness and yes, even receive forgiveness graciously. Here's the fifth D. That's deliver it to God. In other words, talk to God about your hurt. I think many of us have a bad habit. The bad habit is when we are hurt or frustrated or fearful, we talk to other people. When we should talk to God first. I think if you talk to God first, then you have a better basis to talk to your Christian friends second. Otherwise, all you do is spread gossip. You spread 
rumors, you spread dissension, you spread disunity, you spread all kinds of stuff, you spread your anger, you're spilling all over everybody else. Just talk to God. God, this frustrates me. God, I, I feel very fearful when this happens. God, this, this, this is just painful. It hurts. And I don't want to feel this way. You know, give me your strength or power to get over this. Bring your anger to him. Too many people just hold on to it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a uh, famous German pastor, author, and theologian one time said, he who is alone in his sin is utterly alone. See, the great thing, friends, with God is that you don't ever have to be alone with your sin, even the sin of anger. You don't need to feel alone in your fear or in your frustration or your hurt. You can simply go to your Father in heaven and say, God, I want to choose peace and not pain. I want freedom. I don't want bondage. I need your help to help me get stronger. And I just confess to you that I'm wounded or that I've wounded other people. I'm frustrated. I'm scared. Help me out of this. That's a great place for us to start. If you did that, can you imagine how different your life might actually look? I mean, if when you get angry, you actually chose to delight God instead of delighting the enemy? Can you imagine what that might do for your marriage? If you worked out of the bottom cycle all the time rather than the top cycle? Can you begin to imagine how that would change your relationship with your children or your neighbors or your in-laws? Would it change the marketplace and where you work? with the people that you deal with. I'll tell you what I know, friends, in closing. What I know, in fact, I'm going to guarantee you this. I'm going to guarantee. I guarantee that this week, sometime, you will have the opportunity to experience anger. You can book it. You can count it. You can take that one to the bank. You're going to have an opportunity to get angry this week. What I'm suggesting to you, though, is when that anger is triggered, don't do what you normally do. Don't hop on the irritation cycle. Hop on instead to the peace and freedom cycle instead. Don't shoot other people and then recoil that anger back in your life. I mean, your anger requires a response. But let's not forget, as Christians, as people who walk around with the resident president inside of us, the Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to respond in peace and in freedom and in love and in joy, hope, kindness, gentleness. Let's pray. Father, so many of us have marked our lives with anger. So many have wounded others. So many of us have felt the kickback and the recoil in our lives. To be quite honest, that kind of stuff just kills us. We know that we don't want to continue in the same direction. We need your word to come alive in our lives and to help us not to sin in our anger. We don't want to give the devil any opportunity to use our actions for his glory. And, Father, we know that on our own strength we fail, so we beg for this, your strength. We beg for it today. Give us the wisdom and the power.
to choose the response that leads to peace and freedom. Help us find victory in our anger this week, and we thank you for your love for us, that regardless of what we choose, that you still love us. May we be changed by that love. We pray it in the name of Jesus, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.